So this is today. Today is yesterday and tomorrow is also today. You traveled through time to the present. Yes. Yeah, I don't think you get how time travel works. It's like we're stuck. You know, like a, like a needle on a scratch record. I wake up every day right here, right in Punxsutawney, and it's always February 2nd. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. It's a thing where the same day keeps happening. Time. in a damn time loop or something well it's groundhog day again and that must mean that i'm professor robert e.g black and i'm here with luke allen and chloe griffiths here to discuss groundhog day again still always i can't get away from this movie <laughs> you've not really tried to be fair <laughs> to be fair i still wish i could make the documentary i wanted to make about it so yeah i'm doing well, can you not <laughs> oh, I could, it would take funding up front because it involves traveling and screening the film multiple places. I like the I like that as an idea. To be fair, I've been genuinely thinking about writing a book about about time recently. So you know, you you are the Groundhog Day guy. So right. like, it would make sense if I approached the right producer. I could probably talk them into giving me something. Yeah, because clearly I'm there. I'm in it. And uh, Chloe, you've not seen Groundhog Day, so no. do you know what it's about? No. Not at all. Not at- <laughs> No, I do. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, that's impressive. Everybody knows the concept of Groundhog Day without even watching it. That's not always true. I've had my high school students, I will do a thing where I show clips of just his news reports in the movie. And I show them the first one and be like, tell me about this character. And I show them the second one. Tell me about this character. Show them the third one. They're like, why is he doing it again? I'm like, so you haven't seen this? Okay. <laughs> here's the premise i love that groundhog day is so inbuilt in your life that you in your in your like in your work and everything else you know well it works to talk about delivery because his delivery is the difference in those news reports mm. his tone changes on day two his tone changes again on day three and by the end it's completely reversed itself from everything that's come before and that's important to understanding character growth just from the delivery of those scenes that are like i think the longest one is 30 seconds so, so Chloe, from this one minute, your only minute of Groundhog Day. Yes. <laughs> how easy was it for you to tell what was going on? Because I imagine this one's all right. I would say from just isolating the one minute clip, you can tell that he's confused, obviously, a little bit, trying to get an idea from other people and just trying to work out what's going on. But I don't know, I think talking about the deja vu with the old woman, which she probably has a name, but I don't know. <laughs> Florence Lancaster. There you go. It's, it's just him trying to think, well, surely I can't be the only one trying to see, is everybody else experiencing this other than just me? Yeah. And no is the answer from <laughs> what I can gather. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> you, now you don't need to see the film. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a bit more than that. There, yeah. 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 <laughs> he gives birth to himself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you wonder how these three films are, are, are linked, Chloe? <laughs> yeah. They, ju- they just have some strange labors. To be fair, he kind of does. <laughs> You're not very good at selling films. <laughs> well, it's it's a metaphor, but I mean, that's the whole point of the movie is that it's the process of him being forced to become a better person by being stuck in the same place. He has to learn to care about the people around him, and he has to learn to try new things and expand who he is because he's a dick. Huh. 
Yeah. That's why he's played by Bill Murray. He's a dick, <laughs> but he's slightly charming enough that we don't care for a little while. Just a little. And that's who Phil Connors is. Do you think Chevy Chase could have pulled off this part? I think it would have been a different tone because his humor is often a little more um, mean, like mean-spirited. Yeah. But in the 80s, they were very close, Bill Murray and Chevy Chase, their humor. So I think he could have played this, but it would have come out a little different. Have they Did they work together, Bill Murray and Chevy Chase? I feel like they must have done, but I can't think of any. Well, they're both in Caddyshack, but I don't think they have any scenes together. Oh, yes, of course. I can't believe I forgot. Yeah. I need to rewatch Caddyshack, to be fair. It's been a, been a long, long time. Actually, that, that would be a good example where you can see how different they are as actors and like comedians is the tone of their humor is very different even in that caddyshack is more of a national lampoon film than most of the national lampoon films were yeah because i think isn't it like produced by matty simmons still or something or like i know like pretty much all the nat lamp names are attached the time loop has just begun beginning of minute 21 he is interacting with man in hallway aka chubby man and Phil just pushed him up against the wall and now, you know, straightens his lapel. Like, you know, I thought it was yesterday. And that guy looks really disturbed as Phil walks away, as you should. If Bill Murray throws you up against the wall, you should be really bothered. I'd be bothered if anyone threw me up against a wall. Like, I wouldn't just be like, ah, yeah, all right. It's all right. <laughs> You're not Bill Murray. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, only if it's Bill Murray should you be bothered. <laughs> I'd love that. If someone pushed me against the wall, I'm like, oi, you're not Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah, only Bill Murray pushes me against walls. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> we, we get some transition scenes as he goes downstairs that neither of you would have any problem with. Chloe, because you haven't seen the film. Luke, because you haven't obsessed about it like I have. I've heard. <laughs> but he's on the landing on the stairs, right? We see him on the landing going past the you know decorative windows, which the windows themselves bug me because I can't figure out what they were going for in their design. There's like these candles and there's like part of a cross or maybe it's a mask because it looks kind of like a face. I don't know what they were thinking in their set. I don't think they copied those windows from the actual house. I have seen the shape of the actual house, and these stairs are not the stairs that in the next scene he is coming from. Strange. Which is problematic for me because I've checked. The stairs with the window would have been off to the left, and he's coming from the back stairs, which is wrong. But that's just my obsession. He pauses looking around. We still don't get his POV, the same problem we had up in his room. We're not seeing that he's seeing that things are the same as they were yesterday. We're just seeing that he's confused. Which Chloe got, so I guess it works. There's a lot of mid shots and wide shots. Like, mm -hmm. well, it's it's Ramus's direction. Is, is, is that yeah. throughout with Ramus? I was gonna say I, I can't, I'm trying to think of any Ramus films that have like notable close ups. He loves the like two shot of like two people talking as well, mm -hmm. and so he likes to keep the camera back and let the actor perform because he grew up around comedians and improvers. Is how he grew up as a director. Yeah, it works because like National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah, you know that was to it, it, it you're watching a guy improving a lot of the time mm -hmm. and I, I think that does that does work because as performers it probably also makes it easier on the continuity front vacation as it is chevy chase is i, I can't imagine it lending itself to a shot reverse shot and him having to like hold up the continuity all the time right so i think yeah working with the comic actors that ramus works with it it makes sense to shoot the the wise and obviously it's still blocked enough that the camera moves as like murray moves towards the end of the minute well even for the average viewer the staircase problem isn't a problem we saw him on some stairs we see him coming from some stairs yeah we don't we can't even see they don't match i've just looked at the blueprints of the actual building they copied it works nicely, and I I kind of wish that I could have seen this film as someone who didn't know the concept of Groundhog Day, like to know how well this would work. Because you talk about Groundhog Day most of the time, 
and by the title people kind of know oh, that's the film where he redid the same thing right. over and over again because that's the shorthand for time loop now is yeah it's groundhog day groundhog day but on a boat it's groundhog day but a horror film yeah it's a shame really and there's also a thing with time loop movies that they feel the need now to reference groundhog day themselves which and i like to some level but i kind of feel like if you're doing that you have to do something with it a bit more than going it's like groundhog day and then let's move on well the the best one of those might be the end of happy death day because it's the end it doesn't matter that they bring it up it's after the fact he's like wait you've never seen groundhog day Mm. and it's just like the camera moves away the sound fades out on this conversation i did i did those were bad though they were awful (laughs) both of them what those films have very specific problems that I've complained about in previous things. They were okay. Can, by the end of this recording session, can we seek to find a film that Robert and Chloe both like? <laughs> <laughs> we can try. I don't think this has happened yet. Well, she hasn't finished Ex Machina. She might like it. Well, so far I do like it. Right. There we go. So there's that one. I don't know what else she's seen other than the few we've mentioned. So we'll, we'll see if we, we'll see where we go. He comes into the dining room, the three old people at the little table in the corner, probably Samuel Mages, Evangeline Binkley, and Ben Zwick. They are also in the Jeopardy scene later. So we have continuity of actors for certain locations. That's nice. We're the same extras we see here, we see later here. I don't think we see them at the dance or out at Gobbler's Knob, though. But that makes sense because this was a set, so it would have been a different city. So they might have a different set of actors. And I feel like there still could be more people that are out there than are seen on camera. <laughs> like, it's not impossible. It works nicely. And I just kind of like with this whole scene that we've got, how easy it is in this one minute to just kind of get exactly what's happening. Like the fact that Bill Murray's performance here, I feel like you could just see this and kind of get the gist straight off. And I, and I like that. It's such a... A simple film. If that's as a compliment to the film, it's such a simple film that it's quite nice to just have those sorts of films where you go, you know, by 21 minutes in, you go, I get what this film's about. And off you go, which I know your theory is by minute 17, isn't it? So, Ish, yeah. yeah. Which in that case, we didn't know it was a time loop, but we knew he was going to be trapped in Punxsutawney. Okay. So that still sort of lines up. So yeah. we didn't know the supernatural part of it. We just knew. He was going to get stuck here. So we got the similar conversation to the previous day. Did you sleep well, Mr. Connors? He's confused. Did I sleep well? Would you like some coffee? Yes, please. I think I'll have a double. When yesterday he didn't want her coffee because he thought it wouldn't be good. She says, I hope you enjoy the festivities. There's Taco Blizzard. And that's when he asked, do you ever have deja vu, Mrs. Lancaster? Which then we get the somewhat insulting but still hilarious line. I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen. I really liked it. Oh, it's a great line, but the more you see it over and over, it's like, that's mean. But he's not saying she doesn't know. She just doesn't know. And so it's okay. Mm. It's not necessarily because she lives in this small town that she doesn't know what deja vu is. She spends all of her time in a bed and breakfast. She's probably been running that place for years. She doesn't get out. Although it should have come up on Jeopardy. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Mm. I don't know. But did I know what deja vu was when I saw Groundhog Day? Of course, I was a kid. So who knows? I like that as a a very simple gag, but it, it it's it works nicely. Well, it's a great improv thing. She also was an improv comedian out of Chicago, so so that was improv. She can play off him. Not the line was improv. 
I believe that line comes straight out of the second revision of the script. So as soon as the improv people were involved, so it's got that sort of humor to it. So Chloe, you know what I said about Robert's like level of detail? The fact that it's just like, oh yeah, that comes from the second revision. That's just... Oh. Well, the second revision yeah. is when Ramus and Murray were involved. Oh. And so you get a lot of the humor that's close to that. If it comes from the original, I will note it. But this does not because in the original, we don't get this day. By the time it starts, he has many repetitions into the loop. Oh yeah, I think I might be saying that. That's such an interesting choice that I don't think I've seen any time loop films that do that. Uh, some short films play with that. It's much easier to have the character who knows everything and then the other people have to figure out what's going on. But no, in features, there probably are some. I can't think of any offhand where the loop is already in place. I had an idea for a time loop movie, though, because of, is it this week's Ex Machina? Oh, no, it's my, my time loop of the week. Sure thing, because they reference Sound and the Fury. And I was looking at that monologue from Macbeth, and there is a great line that would be a great title for a serious drama time loop. So look out for it in a few years after I write the script. I won't. I always come up with ideas and then never write them. The last syllable of recorded time. Ooh. If you want your pretentious melodrama time loop, that's mine right there. That is a good title. I've started, I'm not going to say which one just to lead people to go back, but I've started playing with the concept of one of the film ideas I broadcast during Two Minutes About Time. Nice. And started fitting it in. So you you were saying, Robert, about how was you had the idea for a title for a time travel film based mm-hmm. on what your time loop of the week was. Yeah. Is that a potential lovely segue? I guess that would bring us to our time loops of the week. Most of life is just junk, right? It's, it's filler. Mm. And then there's these moments when all the randomness turns into something perfect. It's like life's dropping all the bullshit just for a second to show us how amazing it could be all the time. If it wanted to. Hmm. I don't know. I think maybe we're supposed to become like better people. Though I honestly don't even know how that could be possible. Maybe think about it. We must miss so many of them. All those tiny perfect things are just poof, gone. Lost forever. But not today. That is a disturbingly inspirational idea, Mark. It's a perfect day. We couldn't have planned it like this. Well, you can. It just takes an awful lot of work. Time. Time. The last revision is what counts, apparently. Time. What if we found Time. them all? All the perfect things in this Time. one town, Time. in this one day, we could collect them. Uh, I'll go with mine first, since I mentioned it. It is a play called Sure Thing. I actually first learned of it because my daughter was taking a theater class when I was writing my blog and watching Groundhog Day every day. And she's like, oh, you might like this. And it turns out there's multiple versions of it on YouTube, only one of which for some reason gets listed on Letterboxd, jerks. And not even my favorite version, I don't think. I like the black and white version, the seven minute one. But sure thing is basically about a man and woman meeting in a coffee shop. And every time their conversation doesn't seem to be going well, a bell rings And I like that on live stage versions, they will ring the bell like they want it to reverse, which is a nice touch. I'd love to direct a stage version of this. Be fun. When the conversation doesn't go how they want, they ring a bell and it backs up a few lines and they go again and they'll say different things. They'll, what does he guess? She holds up her book, Sound of the Fury, and he's like, oh, uh, Hemingway. And she's like, no. So he has to reverse because he should have known. 
and things like that. And eventually they have a couple rants each about how they're, she thinks he's just trying to pick her up and he's trying to make conversation. And then by the end, their conversation starts to flow better and go together. It's very similar to the date night sequence of this movie, what I call it. And this movie, in a way, directly rips off this play, especially if you watch the trailer for this movie. In the trailer for this movie, they have the date night stuff where he says a line and Rita doesn't like it. And then a buzzer goes off and you get the next version of that same scene. Believe it or not, I studied 19th century French poetry. (laughs) What a waste of time. I study 19th century French poetry. La fille qui j'aimera. You speak French. We. Bill Murray. Andy McDowell. To the groundhog. I always drink to world peace. What should we drink to? I like to say a prayer and drink to world peace. And they basically copied what this play is doing. Oh, so the play came before. The play came out in, I think, originally in 82 or something like that it, it's like it's been around a while and so yeah i wrote about it in my blog when i discovered this play and yeah it was before they did this movie and definitely before they made that trailer oh. no. and chloe you you got around to seeing it like yeah what, what did you think i thought it was it was interesting i like the way they cut the screen in half to be fair with the angles yeah i would say that's probably as far as how much i liked it <laughs> huh? it annoyed me a little bit just the way they're like oh this doesn't go well let's restart which is probably the reason why I wasn't too fond of About Time either. Because <laughs> he was like, nah, okay, our relationship's going sideways. Let's do this instead and go back. And I'm like, no. Oh, just- no, she hasn't watched Eternal Sunshine yet, has she? <laughs> no. That's the plot no, of the film. Oh, yeah, no. but, no, no, but Eternal <laughs> Sunshine's me. different. Eternal Sunshine. It's a different pace. We're not getting yeah. repetition like that. Okay. And you know that there are a couple that just don't work, right. but do as well. Like they it's, they it's work nice... in an early relationship. They don't work long term and yeah. they yeah. have a way to deal with that. Yeah, just reset. It, it, Eternal Sunshine is definitely another another good film. But Chloe, also, you ruined my, well, not only did you ruin my streak of getting everyone to watch about time and everyone liking it, only like a few days after you said it, I turned up to work and one of my colleagues came up to me and went, so About Time was on TV last night. I could only watch the first half of it. What on earth? Why do you like this film? <laughs> I was like, what have you done, Chloe? You've just, I'm like, sorry. Now. Now, now, now my colleague doesn't like it. Probably, like, now Robert's probably going to announce actually he hates the film. I hate that film. Just... <laughs> no, that's still one of my favorites. I understand why people wouldn't like it, but that's most of my favorite movies. Yeah. It's like someone's like, oh, I didn't like that movie. I'm like, yeah, I get that. Whatever. Same with men. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm glad you can understand that people might not like that film. <laughs> you just came out of that being like, I think it's a perfect piece of cinema. I would guess most people wouldn't make it to the ending. I'm surprised we did, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think it was worth it. No, it and really I think, wasn't. And I should've... also think it got a lot of hate just from its trailer and its description because it's called men and it's clearly about a woman who tries to, you know, she's dealing with grief and she's, all these men are coming at her. And they're played by the same guy. I heard someone say, and I've heard it a few times, I'd like to see if men would be any different if it were written and directed by a woman. Like, there's nothing inherently like that I came out of it that felt like it was made by a man, but I feel like if it were made by a woman, it would feel different. Hmm. It would just have a, a different vibe. It'll just be called women instead, I think. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to me, a man making a film about the issues with men is the same as a white guy making a movie about racism. I'm sure they can do it well, but it's never quite going to feel... It might not. It doesn't have the same bite. I think it might have actually gone farther in the specifics of like the interactions of each man and how they deal with her and 
she deals with them and she wouldn't just walk away every time because they would all come after her more or something. I don't know, but I'm a man. Well, interesting double feature idea. Not that I'm ever going to watch men again, but men and a promising young woman. Hmm. Yeah. Which interestingly, I think if that were directed by a man would have ended differently. I don't think there would have been like that little twist in the end. I think it just would have been here's she's been killing these people. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> have you seen Promising a Woman, Chloe? No, but I know of it. Okay. I had to talk about it in one of our like culture and context things in uni. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> it's all about feminism. I really like Promising a Woman. <laughs> the ideal double feature, which I might do, is Promising a Woman and Last Night in Soho. Hmm. I think they have some, well, several shared elements. Yeah. And I think they both feel... I mean, I'm saying it as a man watching a film that is very clearly feminist and female themes. So I can't really speak for all of the audience, but I'd say they're both quite empowering revenge movies or kind of you don't leave it feeling disgusted as you do with men. You leave it feeling like, oh, that was actually quite a fun film. But it also made me think. My time loop of the week isn't a movie either. It's an episode of Doctor Who, Eve of the Daleks. I've not been the biggest fan of Jodie Whittaker, Chris Chibnall, right. Doctor Who. I think the writing's a bit naff. I feel like I always have to preface that my issue is not with a female doctor. My issue is with the writer that we have. Supposedly. Supposedly the- that's your problem, <laughs> you sexist bastard. No, I was called sexist for it somehow. <laughs> that was interesting. You were? I was, yeah. Because when I heard about it, I was like, I know it's possible with Time Lord. And I'm thinking, how are they going to do it well? How is it going to happen? And like my friend from school was like, stop being so sexist. I'm like, it's my own gender. (laughs) There we go. I like her as the doctor. I think the writers, either bad writing or they weren't bold enough, is that they had immediately surrounded her with too many companions. Well, that's it. Stop giving her so many companions. (laughs) And so it was like they didn't trust themselves to write a woman doctor. And so they just gave us too much all at once. Like adding companions as you go cool that should happen yeah there could be new people that keep recurring they did that with matt smith his doctor by the end of his thing had all these recurring characters that kept coming up and that was cool yeah but if you give us all of those recurring characters in their first episode it's like you didn't need to give us that much padding we can follow well yeah that's it and the annoying thing is as well is that in the casting bradley walsh and john bishop and they're i, I don't know how they're known in the, in the u.s but they're big uk daytime mm. tv names they're like major comedians that they they steal the show <laughs> i genuinely on both occasions my favorite characters were graham and dan probably because they knew it was struggling so was like, let's give some big names to it yeah. yeah to get people to watch it again well and then to be sexist about it the male writers probably write those characters better yeah because they're just writing them every time they write her they're trying to write a woman well yeah (laughs) yeah just write her she can play it how she wants to play it yaz who's the companion that was supposed to care about the most i'm fine with the idea of the doctor and yaz having that kind of will they won't they thing Mm -hmm. but there's a line i can't remember if it's in either the daleks or in a different it might be in the next episode but the doctor says to yaz you're one of the most interesting people i've ever met and i think what (laughs) i'm just like i couldn't tell you one thing about yaz other than she used to be a police officer and she's in love with the doctor she is one of the longest running companions and I know nothing about her. <laughs> so for one of the most interesting people I've ever met, I don't believe it. 
basically my main point is I, I'm not a fan of the era of Doctor Who. I haven't okay. even watched them. But I feel obliged to watch it as a fan of Doctor Who. Like right. a new episode, I, I better watch it. I like being immersed in the culture of listening to reviews and like interacting on that side. So I almost like watching it so I can hear someone talk about how bad it is, <laughs> which is it, it sounds like the toxic side of fandom a little bit, but it's not the toxic kind of Wait, there's a side of fandom that isn't toxic. <laughs> that's that's the big question. But even the Daleks, it's a very simple premise. They're trapped in a warehouse. The Doctor, Dan, Yaz and two incidental characters trapped in this warehouse and they've got to escape the Daleks but they keep dying and then they restart so as a time loop goes everyone's involved in the loop yeah it's more like a video game respawn than a time loop per se but it still counts because time is looping Mm -hmm. but I just found it a really interesting really simple concept but genuinely I think it has the potential to be one of my favorite Doctor Who episodes I thought what they did with it was fascinating it didn't feel overpacked the characters so much so that the incidental characters felt part of it. I think a story like this, it works to have a kind of cast of the size it had. I thought it was a, a fantastic story. But if you've seen it, Robert, what, what, did, what do you think as, as the time loop guy? I wanted to rewatch it this week because it was a while ago and I never got the chance. I liked it and I remember it tying fairly well into the previous episode because it is, isn't it because the TARDIS was damaged and that's why mm. things are looping? Well, yeah, because Flux was a mess. As, right. as, as a Flux series. was. Parts of Flux were really fascinating to me, and I liked yeah. what they were trying, but I think they lumped it into too few episodes. Mm, which was a COVID thing. Yeah. And so it was rushed. It, it did feel that. Because there are huge things going on in that story that should have been given a lot more space. I've never known a show before to end the series by forgetting to clarify whether the universe still exists or not. That is a problem, yeah. How can you leave that big a hole? But at the end of the show, you're asking, does the universe still exist? As a cliffhanger, that could be fun. If your big follow-up is they have to figure out how to make the universe exist again. That's fine. But it just felt like Chibnall forgot about it. (laughs) What I heard, I think, was that Eve of the Daleks was a rushed script and a quick turnaround. And I think it's Chibnall's best. Like, there's been the odd decent story. But I think as he goes as a writer, this is his best work. Now, Chloe... Did you bring a time loop? Not really. Is there one you <laughs> like? Because you didn't like Happy Death Day. It was it was okay. <laughs> Things I'm aware of a lot of time loop films, but haven't watched them because I feel like even though I haven't even watched Groundhog Day, which kind of set it all off, I feel like the concept is already overused. So I just like don't bother with it. <laughs> there are over 200 of them in TV episodes and films. Yes. But I mean, obviously like Edge of Tomorrow, I yeah. know that's part of it. There's one on called Palm Springs or something like that, yep. which I was just like, oh, here's another one. <laughs> I can't remember what the other one was that was on there. Something to do with paper maps. The map of tiny perfect things. The map of tiny perfect things. Yeah. Although that one seems slightly different because it's two characters who are aware of it, but aren't part of it. So it's Palm Springs. <laughs> but I was just like, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to bother <laughs> just because it feels just way overused. So I just kind of don't. I also watch a lot of films that no one really knows about half the time. So like, I was like, no, nah, I'm going to watch this instead. Well, you <laughs> so, literally managed to find a film that Robert's never heard of. I don't know if yeah. I've done that. So that, that is impressive. <laughs> yeah, I think he thought he was going to surprise me with Girl in the Cafe once. I was, like, no, I've seen say, that. I was just about to say Girl in the Cafe, <laughs> an obscure TV movie from like 2005. And I had seen it. And you've seen it. <laughs> 
do, do you see him as obviously some doing well, Robert, but do you see it almost mm-hmm. like a guilty pleasure kind of genre at times? Sometimes. And I think that comes to, I have watched all of the good ones, put that in air quotes, listeners, first, because they were more obvious and they were the ones people had heard of. They were the ones on the TV tropes page. And then I sought out more. And so I ended up with obscure ones. Just last week, I talked about my marathon where I watched seven of them in a day. And it was because those seven were seven that I just hadn't gotten to for the longest time. And they kept sitting there. And a few of those were some of my favorites now. I think A Day, it's a Korean film, was amazing. It was like emotionally involving and it was dramatic and I liked it. Beyond the infinite two minutes, clever as fuck. I feel like time loops for you are kind of what body swap movies are for me. Like I just, I really (laughs) like body swap movies, but also like, it's also kind of the same because every body swap movie now has to be, it's Freaky Friday, but. Right. And even if they're really naff, I like the appeal of a body swap movie. I like that first moment when people wake up and realize, oh, we're in each other's bodies. And that's, I, I find that fun. Freaky was a great film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Freaky Friday, but the, one of them's a killer. Chloe, what are your thoughts on, on body swap movies? I haven't really watched many. I have seen Freaky Friday. I've seen an anime one. I don't even know why, because I don't watch anime. I think it, I can't remember what it's called. It's something like Your Name. That was weird. Oh, I love Your Name. But it, it was good, to be fair, but I have no strong opinions on them. It's <laughs> just another film. <laughs> that carries on a similar concept to other films, I suppose. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe I'll eventually do a, a, a body swap podcast or blog because you've got kind of ones that half count, like being John Malkovich or Face Off. Yeah. You got to find ways to link movies together sometimes if you need a, a double feature or whatever. Like just a couple of weeks ago, in a week, I watched three different horror films set during the Phoenix Lights incident in 1997, where it was the biggest UFO sighting ever. And three different horror films were all, and these people got abducted during it. I'm like, I got to watch all three. Well, your, your reference of your name, your name is officially in Letterboxd's top 250 narrative feature films. Nice. I, I also think Groundhog Day and Freaky Friday is probably a really good double feature. Hmm. Yeah. Depending on which Freaky Friday, I guess, as well. Right. There's like four of them now. I've seen three, but I think that's four. Yeah, because there were two feature ones and one or two that were made for TV. Yeah. I saw the one that was Disney in a musical, and I think there was another one that wasn't. And then there's copies of it, like 18 Again, or like Father Like Son, or Freaky. I just find them really fun, and I just like them, and I'd love to make one. I I, I want to do a body swap, but I can't think of an original idea. Maybe a time loop body swap. Yeah. (laughs) Just just tie (laughs) them together. Just throw it all in. Yeah, just... (laughs) Would you count 13 going on 30 as one then? I, I think so, yeah. It's adjacent. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say body swap adjacent. Was what She's not switching with anyone yeah. else, but yeah, same with Big. We did have the end of the minute, which he, she asks, will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors? And he says, I'd say the chance of departure is 80%. And then we get a joke going into next minute, 75, 80, where he's not even sure of the percentage, which is funny. So, uh, plugs? <laughs> yeah. Reduce to Clear. From 4th of July, Reduce to Clear will be on YouTube. So I can actually plug Reduce to Clear now, hopefully, maybe. You should all check out my comedy film, Reduce to Clear. And also, if I didn't make Reduce to Clear, I wouldn't have been invited by a cinema to do a speech. And Chloe wouldn't have asked me who my favorite doctor was. And we wouldn't be here. So Chloe's thinking, yep. I really wish she hadn't made Reduce to Clear. And <laughs> we're all <laughs> She's thinking of what, where she has to go back with her time machine. She's like, so if I stop him from making Reduce to Clear... <laughs> Yeah, maybe just before. I don't have to see men. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Thank you for listening.
The Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for Minutia Ex Machina, every Wednesday for more Groundhog Day, and every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. And you can follow all three shows in one feed. Just search an existential trilogy. Follow this show on Twitter at Groundhog Day MXM and on Instagram and Facebook at Groundhog Day Project. This has been a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. Through time. What is wrong in the end which never comes? Or which comes again and again? Lap, lap, laughing. Like waves. Since the Big Bang set everything in motion, everything that happens in this universe has to be the way it is. Man, are you hungry? I haven't eaten since later this afternoon. Particles unfolding the way they're destined to. How do you sleep at night? You've never seen Groundhog Day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Groundhog Day is not a documentary.